Welcome to Against the Grain, a podcast for natural products trailblazers. Join New Hope Network and Gianuzzi Lewenden as they explore how to stay ahead of the trend curve in the ever-changing world of natural products. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Jill Fredenberg, and I'm a content marketing manager with New Hope Network. I'm here today with Blake Horn and Ryan Lewenden of Gianuzzi Lewenden, a law firm in New York. They specialize in providing legal resources to CPGs around funding, mergers and acquisitions, supply chain, and more. Blake and Ryan, why don't you introduce yourselves and tell us about Gianuzzi Lewenden? Thanks for that introduction, Jill. Uh, Happy to be on with you today. I am one of the partners at Gianuzzi Lewenden. I've uh, been with the firm my entire career, and we are like you mentioned, a boutique law firm based in New York City and Los Angeles. And we are focused basically exclusively on helping guide disruptive CPG brands along their entire life cycle. We represent over 1,500 brands, everything from pure startups to brands in growth stage to M&A targets and everything in between. And our goal is to be there along the way during the journey of startup, growing a brand and getting it to whatever exit you're looking for and being your go-to advisor to assist on legal issues and and also general strategy for how to navigate the CPG industry. Awesome. Hey, I'm Ryan Lewenden. Um, Jill, excited to be here. I'm a partner at Gianuzzi Lewenden as well. Um, I grew up in Connecticut and went to school in New Orleans and here in New York. And, um, you know, I just, um, I've always loved the health and wellness um, categories. Uh, I ran track uh, when I was younger and, um, you know, it's just something that's sort of always been with me. And, and, and to be honest, you know, everyone from our firm, um, I would say that, you know, what's great about, you know, Blake and I's job is not just that we've got this great array of clients, but we've also got this great team. Um, We've got a great team of close to 30 lawyers uh, between LA and New York, and um, they all live and breathe this industry, right? They're all, they've all come to work with us because they all have a passion um, for health or wellness or entrepreneurship or disruption. Um, and it's really great to, you know, come to one of our offices and, and work with our team and, and just really feel that passion every day. And so, you know, as far as our firm goes, uh, Genuzi Lewenden, like our, our differentiator from law firms in the market, I think of is in, in sort of like three buckets, right? You know, the first is that, you know, we're contextual sort of experts in consumer goods and, and that's anything that's topical or ingestible. So that runs the gamut from, you know, um, uh, beauty, baby, pet, uh, food and beverage, uh, spirits, um, you know, to sort of just general health and wellness um, uh, accoutrements and, and, and products. So, um, and then number two is we're only, we only represent brands and founders. Um, and, you know, that's actually really unique in the law space because, you know, a lot of firms work with, um, you know, especially big firms work with companies, they work with startups, 
But like, that's not really where they make their money. They make a lot of their money working with, you know, VCs or growth firms. Um, and, and they work with the companies like kind of as a byproduct of that, right? Like they work with the companies so they can represent their clients' portfolios. Um, th that's not us, you know, we know all the VC firms, you know, we've got great relationships with them, but but we don't work for any of them. We, we just work on the, on the brand and the founder side. So, you know, when our, our, not only our advice, but our experience is all through the lens of, you know, how do you scale a business from the eyes of a founder? How do you scale a business from the eyes of the brand, you know, as opposed to anybody else, any of the other participants that are sort of in the mix? And then third is we're life cycle counsel. So, you know, of the 1500 companies we work with, you know, maybe a third of them are, you know, companies like a like a body armor that or a mirror organics or um an oatly or fever tree you know companies that are or a hero cosmetics like companies that are doing like you know billion dollars in revenues to like hundreds of millions of dollars in revenues and it goes all the way down to you know someone who's just got an idea and is just starting a business and everything in between and you kind of put those three buckets together and you know over the past close to 20 years, this firm has been doing just that, right, in its iterations. And, and what that nets out to is that, you know, Genius Lewenden has helped grow and scale and eventually exit more consumer brands than really anybody else out there of sort of in this inch wide mile deep, obviously we're world of consumer, but anybody else out there of any sort of size or scale. And that that knowledge and that perspective of going through that journey, right? Going from a million dollar brand to a billion dollar brand, right? Seeing seeing the progression, seeing the hurdles you need to overcome, seeing the seeing the problems and the pitfalls, seeing the increasing complexity of like governance, seeing seeing a board evolve and grow. Um, it has led us in this particularly knowledgeable way of helping companies navigate those growing problems, good problems to have, obviously, but those problems that every founder and every brand is going to face along their journey. Um, you know, so it, it's a place we're super passionate about. And, um, you know, we got into the business with vitamin water and vitamin water was, you know, uh, Nick and I's first client in the space. And we did everything for vitamin water from, you know, when it was Darius Bikoff alone in the room to every round of financing, every distributor agreement, every broker agreement, Every celebrity partnership, like 50 cents deal with um, vitamin water, where he had his own flavor and equity. The brand was one of my first deals out of law school and Jennifer Aniston's deal with smart water, which became, you know, one of the longest running CPG partnerships of all time. I think it went, you know, 15 years after the sale of the Coke. We did every like vehicle truck wrap uh, lease. We did every commercial lease, every warehouse agreement, every every employee incentive plan, you know, all the way through the the sale of vitamin water coca-cola for you know 4.8 billion at just at the end of 2007 and and so you know it was with that education that we realized that there was sort of a, a big need for that sort of ground up perspective right you know most lawyers approach things from sort of a top-down perspective like they know the legal concepts they you know they they, they know this sort of the body of law what the statutes say but they don't necessarily understand 
how their clients' companies work intimately, right? Like, you know, what what the problems they're facing at the ground level are, you know, who the parties are, why they're important, you know, what the, what the market standards are for the commercial terms of those arrangements. Um, and from from the vitamin water experience, we had that knowledge, we had that perspective. We could lend sort of advice that was contextually relevant to the industry that they were speaking in. And, you know, we just realized there was a huge need for that. And, and we've scaled the company, you know, obviously from that first client to around 1500 in the space today. And um, it's something we're super passionate about. And, you know, we've, we've obviously branched out from New York to LA and we've got plans on, on uncovering all the other markets where CPG folks might need our help as well over time. But um, yeah, just really love it and love the industry. And obviously Expo West is like, you know, the, it's our Super Bowl, right? It's absolutely our Super Bowl, as as it is many people in in the CPG world. And you know, we we attended it. Blake and I, and and all the partners from the firm were there, as well as our LA office. Um, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, although it sound it feels like it was it feels like it was much longer than that. But like you know, a few weeks ago, and then we really had a great time, and and I'm really excited to talk about it today. I think Ryan covered it well that we live and breathe this industry the same way that our clients do. And, and that's what that's what makes our job so fun. Awesome. And I think that that lens and this idea of Expo as your Super Bowl is a huge part of why I'm so excited to get y'all's specific view on some of these questions that I have for you today. Um, so before we jump into the nitty gritty stuff, do you have any overall reflections on the state of CPG in quarter one of 2023 so far, both thinking back to Expo West and just with what you've been dealing with for the past couple of weeks? I, I would say I felt energized coming out of Expo West, and I think the industry feels like it's at one of those inflection points that comes along every now and then. And I think the economic climate right now being as uncertain as it is, is, is clearly a factor. And there's a lot of doom and gloom out there about what's going to happen to the brands that can't raise money and, and what's going to happen to brands over the next six to 12 months as they run out of money. And I think I think those are all very fair things to be concerned about. And so I, I think we're very cautious in how we're guiding our clients and talking to our clients about things like fundraising and things like profitability and, and how they should be thinking about the next, uh, you know, kind of the near term and the medium term. Uh, but coming out of Expo West, what I did see was I did see a lot of excitement around the event. I saw a lot of investors being uh, very active in how they were approaching brands. And so the money is out there and the innovation is out there. And so what, what I'm seeing right now and what is, is still to develop is how are we going to get to the spot where the brands and the investors and the other people in the industry are speaking the same language? And, and that has to do with fundraising and valuations and how brands are thinking about growth at any cost first slower profitable growth and and so what i'm interested to see over over the coming months and what i've been seeing over the last six months is that everybody in the industry is starting to get closer to a common middle ground of where more deals can happen and where more innovation ha can happen and i think along the way the reality is that 
uh, it's it's going to involve some hard conversations and it's going to involve some hard decisions for brands. But I did come away from Expo West with perhaps a more optimistic outlook than I had before going in. And, and that was that was due to the excitement and the energy at the event. Yeah, yeah, I'd say, look, I, I mean, I think Expo West was this great microcosm of what's happening broader in the industry. Right. So. On one hand, you had, I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen Expo West that busy with people and attendees, but it's certainly, I mean, certainly not in the past few years. Um, the number of people there, the number of, not only the number of people, but the number of events, right? The number of, you know, inside Expo and outside Expo, people putting on events, people putting on you know, uh, panels, people putting on either educational content or programming or just get togethers and happy hours um, or, or workout sessions or whatnot. I mean, there was more of those than I'd ever seen, right? And it was just indicative of, like Blake was saying, the positivity, the excitement uh, of the industry. Um, the, you know, just, I mean, the floors. I mean, wow, I mean, I don't I wasn't even able to cover all of Expo this, this year because of all the attendees, all the people on the floor. Wednesday that North Hall like was like, you know, it, it was so it was so tough to navigate because there were so many people looking for the new things, looking for the new companies, right? It, w- it wasn't the people looking to go see the established, the big brands, the conglomerates on that sort of main floor in the main hall. It was people looking for what's new. And there was so much interest and focus there. Right. And then on the other hand, you know, on on Friday you had the Silicon Valley Bank collapse, right? And 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 that sort of permeating permeating through the uh, through the show, and you know, having certainly a good part of Blake and I's time while we're there was spent on the phone with clients that you know were at that bank or other banks, and um, you know, were dealing with the issues that they had to deal with, and. So there was this great optimism and this great sort of caution or this great uncertainty, um, you know, happening at the same time. And on a broader scale, I'd say in the consumer world, that's that's also happening, right? You know, the, out of the range of the clients we work with and what we see, you know, you talk about the the market for financing, you talk about the market for, you know, mergers and acquisitions. And, you know, we're seeing like we're seeing seminal, you know, deals happen, right? Like, you know, the, the at the right at the top of this year, you know, Keurig Dr. Pepper, you know, did a deal with C4 Energy. And, and, and I believe that was the biggest, probably by far, check that Keurig's ever cut to, for an investment into a company, right? And, and in this market, right, in this time. And you're seeing, what you're seeing is you're seeing like kind of a lot of haves and haves nots, right? There's, there's some companies that are really finding their step and they're finding their group, and they're finding their market, and they're finding their margin. And they are, you know, people are fighting to get into those businesses, right? And, and they're fielding multiple term sheets, whether it's an acquisition or an investment. Um, and then, and, you know, that's the excitement, right? There's just great excitement around these businesses. And then, you know, then there's companies that, you know, are transacting, um, they're finding homes, they're finding homes for you know stock deals or or or, or worse. Um, you know it's kind of the on the have not side where they haven't been able to figure they they've had something about them that they haven't been able to fix. And you know they have um, 
you know, for whatever reason, they've they've also found a soft landing. There's just been there's been an acceptance internally that, you know, we're going to we're going to merge this with another company or we're going to roll it up into a portfolio and take our chances with, you know, getting the stock as opposed to internally funding it or, or continuing on. There's, there's there's more uncertainty in the market. So you're seeing this duality with respect to um, activity in this space. And what you're not seeing a lot of, you're not seeing a lot of like middle of the field deals, right? Like you're not seeing like, you're seeing like deals that are like great deals for investors or deals that are great deals for companies. And you're not seeing like a lot of like, it's pretty good for everybody, right? Um, you know, those deals aren't happening as much. Um, you know, and 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 I think, you know, if we talked in 2015, we'd say that's mostly what's happening, right? Most of the money out there is pretty on the media. Um, and when you're in a time of uncertainty like this, when you're in a time where you're like way above or way below the mean, um, you know, it's when it's when having that great group of people, it's when it's when we quite honestly are called on a lot more than anybody else to sort of, you know, to sort of come and, and, and do what we do and add the value that we can add to these companies, right? Whether it's to bring you back to the mean or to help you keep above it. But, you know, when there's not really sort of a, a plethora of people that are sort of doing things like along this, you know, in the middle of the fairway, it's when having great advisors and great teams and internal and external is more important than ever before. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, I do expect that this, this type of, you know, climate will continue for, you know, at, at least until we're talking again next year, I'm sure we're, I, I think we'll be in a similar spot. I just know that, you know, the, the investors out there are, are cautious. Uh, they're look, they, they want to, they want to invest. They want to invest in great deals right now. Right. And, um, you know, the companies that are great deals um, know they're great deals in the market and, and you know, want great terms for those. So so there's 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 a little bit of unbalancing in terms of like where deals can be had um, that will obviously settle in over time. But but I still think we're there for now. And, and then you talk about like the earlier end of the market. Where there's less um, there's less history. Right. And, and you're basing things more on you know, upside and you're basing things less on, you know, empirical data and facts. And and that is and that's an area that we operate in and we help clients in, you know, quite a bit. Um, that area is the toughest to operate in right now in terms of financing, right? The 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 venture money has kind of all moved to growth, right? And you know, there's there's less of it out there and it's way more demanding. Um and in order to get funded in that sort of sub five million, right, maybe even sub ten million dollar range in terms of revenues, you really, really got to come with your A game, and you really, really got to stand out from the crowd. And that means, you know, building the best team you can, having the best sort of um, economics that you can. And I'm not just talking economics of your fundraisers; I'm talking economics within your company, right? Like, you know, your cogs, your cogs, your spends on ads. Right, like everything, you got to be efficient sized. And then, you know, also sort of having a really, really strong and complete vision of where your business is going to go. Um, you know, a, a, a plan that goes financing to financing doesn't get you financed anymore, you know, before you're sort of, before you're profitable, before you've gone to a certain scale and certain size. So people that are kind of starting out, 
really have to come with a much more involved and in-depth um, body of analysis and knowledge and, um, and narrative for their company than they had to in, in other times. But, you know, we're seeing it happen and we're seeing those companies get together. And, and you know, what you're also seeing, I think you're seeing like, you know, you're seeing people team up a lot more and you're seeing people like try to leverage other folks with like great, great skill sets or, or great backgrounds or prior experience and whatnot and, and, and come together to sort of make a stronger asset based on human capital and knowledge um, than you had before. But it's happening. But but the stakes are a lot higher, right? It's a lot harder to sort of get in there than you had before. That That is a great point, Ryan, and something I noticed at Expo West, which is you see brands that are struggling to get their footing for the next stage of growth, connecting with the other people there that can actually help them think through, okay, well, you're really successful in food service, but how do you get your footing in grocery? And, and I think it's those connections that, and, and also in enthusiasm for making those types of connections and you know, taking taking a look at yourself, taking an honest look and figuring out where your weaknesses are and then finding the right people to get involved in order to improve on those weak spots. And I think for the brands that are more emerging brands that, that haven't hit that 10, $15 million revenue mark and are struggling to break through, I think a large part of the next step is assessing where those blind spots are, where those weak spots are, and, and finding the right people to to help you with that. You're totally right. And and while people are assessing these potential blind spots, as well as the companies that are maybe a little bit more seasoned, is there anything amidst all of this economic uncertainty that you think can help brands become as recession proof, that's in quotes, <laughs> as possible? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things. And, and and look, first first thing is building a great team, as Blake was saying, putting a great internal team together, putting an external group of people together. That's your advisors. That's pe- that's lawyers like us. That's your accounting team. But that's also, hey, look, that's also your outsourced sales team and your brokerage team. It's finding all those right partners because sometimes putting the right team together is going to make an exponential difference between you know how you're strategically but also sort of from a performance-based aspect of hey how efficiently can you raise money how well can you roll out sort of on your plan into retail um you know how hey how good is your supply chain how how efficient sized is your supply chain and how are you able to find the right sort of places with the right kind of mlqs to either launch your your initial products or, or your next year line extensions um but in addition to that it's like Look, focus on your margin, you know, focus on your use occasion, high margin, high use occasion products, like with a good and and focus on your fan base, you know, like focus on that high use, high margin, high, high intensity fan base that can be expandable. Those companies are generally like pretty recession proof. Like you look at you know, uh, like what a Bloom Nutrition is doing or a BioLite is doing or a Mary Ruth's Organics is doing. And, you know, those are those are companies that are like really like ran out to impressive scales in a relatively short amount of time by having all three of those things. Right. They've got, you know, 
the products are good margin. The products are the products are high use occasion, right? People are using them more than once a week or once a day, and um, and then they found their fan base, right? They found that initial fan base, whether it's online or retail or otherwise, and they've been able to expand on that. Um, you know, I'd say that you talk about sort of everyone from the investors to the retailers to the service providers and who they want to work with. And it's people have sort of captured those three things. Um, and, you know, obviously for a lot of companies and some companies, the margin has to come at scale and, you know, and, 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 and everything else like has to come at scale, but, but um, focusing on developing those as early as you can. And if you can't develop them in actuality, focus on your pathways to those things, right? Um, because sometimes having a good plan to get to them can make a difference between whether you sort of survive the week or not um, in terms of capital. But, um, you know, uh, I'd say that the high margin, high use occasion, high intensity fan base, you know, is um, is sort of the holy trinity in terms of being sustainable at this at this stage in this market. Yeah, and I, I couldn't stress the second one enough, which is if you're not a product that somebody needs or feels they need to use every single day, uh, something that the consumer has integrated into their lifestyle or wants to integrate into their lifestyle, uh, it it's going to be a lot tougher to survive once people's discretionary spending starts decreasing. And I think that's that's what typically happens in recessions. And I think we're, we're seeing that that's starting to happen. And so how do you become a product that is not discretionary spending, but becomes a staple or becomes something that someone needs day to day and is fully integrated into whatever their routine is, whether it's their wellness routine, whether it's their uh you know guilty pleasure routine and i think uh, well i'm going to be interested in seeing how some of the more niche products that you see at expo play out over the next six to 12 months and and you know a niche a niche can grow and i think if if you hit on a couple of those other things that ryan was mentioning then you can grow a niche into something uh extraordinary and and that has unlimited potential but if you're not focusing on all of those things Ryan mentioned, and it's just a product that is a niche because your your innovation was just iterating on something, but without improving it. I think that's going to be really tough to see surviving uh, through through a difficult economic climate. Absolutely. Um, and then on that note, are there any product trends on your radar right now where you think people are going to be able to integrate those things every single day, or maybe you're aware of them because they're not doing that? I think one that I've been following and, and noticing quite a bit is the concept of performance beyond just hydration or energy. And that that could mean lots of different things, but I think mental performance and that's that's a, a topic that we had spoken about in the past seeing a lot more brands focusing on what it means for a product to be a performance type product so that's not just your physical well-being but your mental well-being and and how those things interact with each other and 
that's a really interesting trend right now and something that I see continuing to evolve over, uh, you know, over the long term. And to me, that's the type of product that can very easily start to fit into somebody's daily routine, because I think everybody is very focused on mental health right now. Uh, people continue to be focused on overall wellness. And I think products that are hitting on those different concepts and creating an offering that is focused not just on one or the other, but both can be very successful. And I think that that Expo West here, you know, again, nootropics, adaptogens, something that has been a space that's growing immensely over the past few years. You're now starting to see that in um, many more, you know, ready to drink formats, for example. And you see brands that have been around for many years starting to move into that category and incorporate those types of uh, types of things into their products where they weren't before. And so, you know, functional broadly, but also performance as a subset of that, I think is something I've been I've been watching and, and continuing to watch. Yeah, um, a, a couple of them. So I, I think kind of close to what Blake was saying, I, I think like functional energy is something that, you know, I think there's in this market, there's a lot of opportunity for, um, you know, our, our firm. Last year, we worked on both the Celsius Pepsi deal and the C4 KDP deal. So there was a lot of energy work going through the firm last year. But, you know, just to see where, you know, like Celsius and C4 and, you know, uptime energy and, you know, Gorgie energy, which which launched over at Expo, um, just to see how people gravitated towards those products and, you know, how people have sort of moved away Kind of both from energy drinks, but also, you know, outside food and beverage, how they moved away from like pre-workout and sort of like taken both those those markets and sort of merged them into one um, while also just like moving it outside the, the gym into lifestyle. I mean, I, it sort of created this opportunity that, you know, is somewhat like vitamin water-esque in terms to in terms to scale the energy. Like, you know, you got ghost in there as well. Right. Which which has been doing phenomenal. So um, I think that category, you know, it's, 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 everybody knows energy's got, you know, um, you know, great margins and you've had some great entrants. You've got, you know, uh, Danny Stepper's got the, uh, the rocks Zoa drink in there, which is doing phenomenal. So there's a lot of wins to be had in that category. And there's obviously a lot of margins to be had and there's a lot of sort of, there's a lot, there's a big market for it. Um, so I, I'm really interested to see, how people continue to innovate into that category, because I do think there's a lot to do there. Um, you know, also like sort of the reinvention of bread is something that's been kind of interesting to me. You know, outside of just like um, like gluten-free, right? Which was kind of what we were doing mostly with bread before, but now you've got like um, a better foods, like the better bagel out there, um, which is like low carb, low sugar, high protein breads that also taste great. And, you know, they had a ton of um, innovation out at Expo West that I saw. And, you know, I, I was over at the booth and I, I saw the Whole Foods buyers there and they seemed pretty excited about it. So, um, you know, I think that, um, and, and you, you know, you got Hero Bread as well, which is um, not the same, but, you know, kind of in a, in a certain vein where we're, where we're kind of making good tasting bread with, with lower carbs. 
I, I'm interested to see where that goes because because I like my bread uh, and I like my sandwiches and you know I like my so um and 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 I'm trying to cut down on the carbs so you know uh, I, I like I like innovation in there personally but um, I also see that you know I, I do think it's something that's really come come around most recently and and could be sort of you know very enticing to you know everybody. Not not just like the Whole Foods consumer, but like, you know, the Publix consumer and the Wegmans consumer and, you know, everybody else out there. So, you know, more conventional, grossly and mass appeal. So um, that that I'm interested in. And then like, um, you know, trend I'm kind of interested to see where it goes is like data based innovation, you know, especially in the natural products industry. You know, and I, I know this from talking to probably tens of thousands of entrepreneurs over, you know, my, my career. Typically where the, the, the innovation came from in products was a personal story, right? Like, you know, the, the, the founder themselves had an issue and they wanted to solve it. Or a lot of times the founder's family or their children had an issue and they wanted to solve it. And, and that was the impetus of the the product coming into the market you've started to see more recently people use data to predict where there's sort of white space right like um you've got a company uh voyage foods that's making you know um sort of alternative based products based on like health or supply chain or sort of um um uh like social issues right so like making like peanut free peanut butter because there's so many allergens to peanut butter or you know making um you know chocolate free spreads because there's you know if you know about the chocolate trade there's there's trade issues there's supply chain issues with chocolate so you know using sort of like you know data on issues with with traditional products create new ones or like um this company star day which is using like retailer data and social media data to like identify white space in product offerings and like create products solely based on that. Um, I'm really interested to see where that goes. Um, I think I look, I know that the big retailers have internally been trying to do that for, you know, for the last couple of years, um, you know, but but like everything else in CPG, you know, if, if the sort of big retailers were great at it, there wouldn't be this sort of entrepreneurial community. And, and there is because they're not great at it. So, you know, having these sort of external companies kind of trying to mine that data to pr- produce and sort of add a more entrepreneurial spirit to it. I, I'm really interested to see where that goes. Ryan, that's that's interesting. I wonder if the, you know, kind of use of data will also lead to more personalization of the product offerings to their consumers and whether uh you know these beverages that are in ready to drink formats or snack foods or whatever else will you know find a way to expand their offerings and their SKUs to hit on more of the individual characteristics of the consumer so for example a uh, a functional beverage that uses data to figure out well okay not every consumer that might be interested in this type of product is 
you know, has the same energy levels or or has the same requirements in terms of, you know, what what nootropics or adaptogens are looking for and, and how, you know, how brands can build off of their consumer base to to offer products that are more individualized to those consumers. And, and I think you see that with with a bunch of subscription model type businesses and especially in, in supplements. And uh, I wonder if that's going to permeate more into, you know, other product categories. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it is and I hope it does. And I think like personalized or intelligent nutrition is just a great product trend and it's one that the science is catching up to. You know, I I I also think that, you know, next year Expo West, if we're talking again, Jill, like, you know, the use of the the AI and the chat GPT is gonna be pretty prolific in terms of, you know, integration into these these product lines. Whether it's, you know, like whether it's soup to nuts sort of branding it and developing it or you know, whether it's just using it for branding or or what, but I mean, or the use of copy, right? I mean, more and more entrepreneurs I'm already talking to are using it to sort of produce, hey, I need quick and easy ideas and copy. I need, I need stuff for my Instagram story that's only going to live for 24 hours. Like, let's run it through the AI and see if we can get something pretty serviceable through it. Um, you know, I think that trend which is already is existing now, people are already using. Uh, I am really interested to see where that grows and how it goes and how it permeates into this industry. Because, you know, this, look, as far as product development and innovation goes, you know, this is a very tactile industry. And it's, it's one that's very based on taste, you know, and it, and, and it has, for the most part, had its roots in, you know, an individual sort of having a filling a certain need that it turns out there's a bigger market for it. And whether or not that will be, whether or not AI is going to be able to supplant much of that sort of like human connection to product development and product offering that that has existed in the industry. That's, those are such interesting ideas. And I've seen that everywhere. So I'm so excited that you brought it up. And I was going to ask you about branding trends. So um, I, I want you to have a minute to talk about that too. But anything in packaging or branding, either in addition to or separate from this uh, important AI conversation that you guys want to add? Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, personally, you know, uh, compostable packaging um you know is something that to me is interesting you know like you've got i mean i've seen a lot more of it and you know there's commercial composting and then there's sort of like personal composting like you throw it in your backyard and it, and it deteriorates you know and you've got companies like like smile works which is providing like those compostable k-cups to chamberlain coffee and alfred coffee and um you know uh, having home compostable options for it there, and and Cove obviously, um, you know the water bottles in Erewhon that you know deteriorate over time. Um, innovations in that I think are really interesting. Um, you know just because compostable versus recyclable, you know a compostable is always going to compost, and people aren't always going to recycle. Um, and then like you know look on the packaging side, I think that, and I think this is a you know good trend that especially in beverage, it's kind of like, 
you know, anything but single use plastic, right? Like, you know, and, and you know, you had, um, you had uh, local weather and saps and path water with like, you know, the, the, the aluminum cans and the re- a lot of times the resealable aluminum, but, you know, you also got like companies like um, uh, uh, St. James Tea, which is launched in the Tetra, um, kind of surprised there's not more people launching Tetra these days, but like, you know, it, it, it's, it seems to be coming more and more that if you want to launch a beverage, you got to do it in something other than a single use plastic bottle. And, um, you know, just in terms of knowing about how much waste is out there, I think it's a great thing. I know that we've talked a bit about some recent launches, but have there been any exciting developments or launches in CPG over the past six months that you want to talk about? I mean, a lot of stuff at the show that I saw, I was really, what did I see at the show? So, um, you know, Gorgie, uh, a functional energy drink, you know, we're working with them. Michelle Grant, you know, uh, came from apparel, started and scaled an apparel company and uh, has developed sort of like a, a functional energy drink for like, you know, it's got hair, skin, nails, stuff in it, sort of giving inner glow plus energy. Um, I like that iteration on the energy play. I don't think anybody's really done it yet. Um, I really liked uh, the Super Coffee guys. They're um, they're uh, souped up collab with Athletic Brewing. You know, I, like I read about it and I like didn't understand it. And I, I went, I saw Jimmy at the show and I tried it. And, you know, I didn't get how like a, any beer could be a pre-workout really. But, you know, it's it's really you got to try it to like really get it um i really felt like i could have drank that and then gone to the gym or or obviously after like a long run you could have had that so i just thought that was super interesting because i hadn't ever seen um you know something that you know like a non-alcoholic beer like a malted product like that um you know move itself like like realistically into sort of like that use occasion um i think my favorite thing at the show that I tried and saw was a uh, feel good foods came out with like a, a stuffed, like a cream cheese stuffed bagel, like frozen bagel, it just kind of heat up. And um, I don't know if they make stuffed bagels at all, but like it's the first time I've had one and I just kind of like blew my mind. Um, and then I really liked to see the um, uh, space tea, the space tea guys, you know, they, they they were exhibiting, they weren't in the North Hall. I think they're actually on the main floor, kind of like, kind of off the way, but I, but I bumped into them and they've got these like mushroom infused teas, um, which are just phenomenal. And they've got like a zero sugar, zero calorie version. That's not like artificially sweetened. It is kind of like, it's really, it's really cool. Um, but, uh, you know, look, I've, I, I love tea. I've always thought tea is just a huge market. Um, you know, it's, it's ancient, it's efficacious. Um, and, uh, they put this into an RTD and, um, and it's got really cool branding. So, uh, yeah, I really like that as well. Yeah. I think what, one other product I tried that I really liked was, uh, Good Pop recently launched, uh, oat milk based, uh, you know, classic desserts, pops, and, uh, you know, it's kind of the same same amazing experience you get for those nostalgia-inducing 
uh, frozen desserts and uh, dairy free. I thought that was that was really cool. Uh, another thing I noticed that was interesting was a bunch of candy brands and uh, you know more traditional candy brands. One of them, uh, Better Sour, is I think just launching. But I, I tried that and I think it's a really interesting. Uh, you know, spin on candy, cleaner ingredients, no artificial ingredients, and globally inspired flavors. So something very different than the traditional candy that's out there. And and I, I thought candy was going more the direction of functional. And of course, there's there's a bunch of functional type candies out there as well. But I, I think I was surprised and, and kind of excited because I have a bit of a sweet tooth to see that there were some more traditional spins on on candy, but done in a way that is more consistent with the, uh, you know, as much of candy can be health focused and, and natural focused. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting as well. We talked a little bit about this at the beginning of the of this episode, and I listened to the last episode where that y'all hosted. Um, and you talked a lot about mental health. And so I was wondering if there were any additional things that you wanted to add, if, or if you've seen an evolution in that trend. We talked about functional beverages, but have you seen any other brands reflecting on mental health specifically? Yeah, I mean, look, they, I think that what's great about mental health is that it's sort of permeating its way generally through the industry. Um, I think one big change since last year is you've seen a lot more founders um, outwardly advocating for mental health, not only for themselves, but for those in their organization. Um, in terms of product offerings, I think that there's been a lot of offerings out there that have looked to replace use occasions that aren't great for mental health, right? Like, so, um, I mean, obviously drinking alcohol is one Right. I mean, hangovers are one thing, but there's also everybody kind of acknowledges like there's this hole it has on your on your feeling of well-being after after, you know, a night of drinking or or a couple of nights of drinking strung together. Um, so, you know, there's a lot more of that. Um, I would like to see a lot more sort of focus on the intersection between, you know, your mental health and your diet or your mental health and, you know, what you're putting in and on your body, um, because there are connections, obviously, right? I mean, just look at the drink, the alcohol example. Um, so uh, that's that's something I'd like to see more product offerings in. Um, you know, uh, you look at um, Zach Williams' product uh, from PYM, PYM, Prepare Your Mind, and uh, he's got a platform on mental health. And, you know, he was at the show and he's got um, a bunch of mood shoes that are that are meant to sort of even you out or or sort of help after stressful times or um and so you know and, and i think he's really just kind of nailed it there and, and i love to see what he's doing not only with the advocacy side but also sort of creating you know um actionable solutions through sort of diet and product on mental health um but i would like to see the industry put a little more focus in terms of options out there for them. Yeah, I think that's a good point about actually 
creating more of a plat platform around some of these things like there's the you know the non-alcoholic uh product market is is expanding uh at a rapid speed and i think there are more options out there some better than others some taste better than others some would someone would actually reach for instead of a beer or a cocktail and, and many they wouldn't and i think developing some of these products and some of these brands as more than just a product but also building awareness around how this all fits into your lifestyle is a really interesting idea and i think i would love to see more of that as well so that there's uh you know more more understanding and more knowledge around you know how and why these products should fit into your your daily life definitely um and then i you know, we're coming to the end of our conversation, unfortunately, because I'm learning so much. But do you have any H2 2023 predictions? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think I think bars are going to be back and not not alcohol, not drinking bars. I think like, you know, grab and go bars um, category took a huge hit over uh, COVID um, almost to a stop. Um, you know, it, it's it's been seen as a category that's been pretty crowded, you know, since, um, you know, since our ex bar did its thing. Um, but I think that with the world back moving, I think that with a lot of good product offerings out there in the market, like, uh, you know, Adam Bremen's uh, can do products and, and a bunch of others. Uh, I think that, you know, second half of the year, but certainly whether we're back in, um, you know, Expo East in September or whether it's in Anaheim, you're going to start to see a lot more bar offerings and you're going to start to see the bars uh, pick up back in the spins data, too. I think there's going to be more deals happening. I think that as a little bit more time goes on and, and there's more, again, that that kind of meeting in the middle that I talked about earlier between investors and brands and people's expectations, my my hope is that results in more activity, more rounds of financing and, and more brands getting funded. And look, anything can happen. And we, you know, COVID came out of nowhere, this banking crisis somewhat came out of nowhere. And so barring something like that, that completely changes the current trajectory we're on. I, I think we we are getting to the point where the, you know, the, the patience of investors and the expectation of brands and the, uh, you know, the excitement building in the industry around new innovation is, is going to continue in a positive direction. And uh, so that's that's my hope and, and prediction for the second half of the year. Very cool. I love that. A hopeful note. Uh, if anyone who has been listening wants to get in contact with you all or just find out more information, where can they do that? Uh, you can find us, you know, uh, our website, which is www.glaw.us. Uh, you can find me at LinkedIn or Instagram under my name, Ryan Lewenden. Um and uh, my email, ryan at glaw.us. And likewise for me, Blake Horn, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, email. My email is blake at glaw.us. And we're always happy to hear from new brands. Awesome. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much, Jill. Take care.